I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking the Lynx versus the Storm in the WNBA playoffs, round one. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w i'm here with neil olstad podcaster and writer who covers the links for sb nation at canishoopus.com also known as the one the only the great Lynx dynasty podcast all right neil so let's talk about this matchup the minnesota Lynx taking on the seattle storm uh in seattle i know that there was a lot of talk about this being a game that could be swayed by home court advantage. Give me your initial thoughts. I know we've known that like this was the matchup for, I want to say, almost two weeks now. But when when we realized that this was the matchup and it's in Seattle, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I think uh, that, that last game, uh, you know, the deciding game uh, on the last day of the season against uh, L.A., you know, that kind of was, to me, in a lot of ways, you know, kind of, you know, we're going to maybe determine the outcome of, of this, this Link Storm game because they're so, so well matched. And, you know, there's a lot, uh, you know, that think it's going to be a very interesting game. But ultimately, you know, home court advantage, you know, could be the thing that, that, that you, know, gi- you know, gives it to the Storm. And I think that's probably going to be the case. Uh, I guess, you know, we'll do official predictions and get more into that here as we go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, both of these teams obviously have great home court advantages, great uh, – you know, you know, fans that, that come out in droves no matter what and are just so so loud. And, you know, there's the whole Everett thing, you know, with, with that's kind of the one sort of maybe home court advantage sort of situation that, that might throw a wrench into that is that I believe this game is being played at Everett, which I mm-hmm. think is where the, the team started their season, right? The first, like, half of their season was played there. Um, so I could see that maybe being a thing that maybe, you know, up and up ends that for, for Seattle, but uh, yeah, I, I, I got to give, uh, you know, Seattle the upper hand in this game and, and it is close. So yeah, maybe home court advantage is the thing that pushes it over the edge. Honestly, I was kind of shocked to see ESPN, uh, predict Minnesota to win. Um, and maybe that's, you know, I, I say this all the time. I grew up in Minnesota, so maybe that's the Minnesota sports fan in me being like, anytime ESPN picks any Minnesota sports team to do good, i.e. Minnesota Vikings last year or anything else. Um, they just do horrible. Uh, how much stock do you put in ESPN dooming the Minnesota Lynx? <laughs> wow. So, yeah, now they're coming for the Lynx, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I think, I don't know. It's a matter of they've been so successful over the whole bunch of years. So they're just like, well, that's obviously the team that we, uh, I don't know. I don't want to pretend like uh, ESPN doesn't really know what they're talking about here. I guess it's uh, their games and stuff like that that they're uh, putting up on the TV. But uh yeah, I don't know why that would be the case. I mean, the one thing I guess Minnesota really has going for them is that they've won like five or six at the end of the season. So I don't know. That's maybe the one thing that I could see uh, maybe is tilting the odds a little bit in that way is maybe like Minnesota's improved play, I guess, of uh, in the last uh, few weeks of the season. But other than that, I don't really know. Let's talk about key defenders for this game. Um, I know you weren't able to be on the conference call with Reeve, Sill, and uh, Fee today. One of the things that we've talked about, um, which is really interesting, because if 
if you were to watch the Minnesota Lynx take on the Seattle Storm this season, they played four games. Minnesota won the first one, and then Seattle just bludgeoned them the next three. Um, you definitely wouldn't know that Seattle has struggled to score the ball this season. And like I said, we've talked about it. She said that they were well above their season, season average field goal percentage, and they need to bring them down below their season average. Their season average is 42. Reeve put the, the winning formula number at below 40. Let's talk real quick. When, when you think about this matchup, who are the key defenders on Minnesota's side in your mind? Yeah, I mean, obviously everything starts with Syl. I mean, we start there because, you know, she, you know, she takes care of things in the paint, and that's usually a, that's usually a given. But I think beyond that, as far as controlling the paint, is it's going to be Dantas, and that's kind of another interesting, um, I think, you know, that could, Dantas is an interesting swing piece here. She didn't play in two of the games, um, uh, I believe just two of the games uh, in this series um, this season and, you know, missed time here and there and was bothered with the, with the calf injury on and off throughout the season and stuff. So, you know, if you get, you know, a great, a great effort on the defensive end from Sill and Demiris um, and what they can do kind of switching off maybe on taking turns on Natasha Howard and that kind of thing. Um, then I think that is another way that Minnesota has a chance here. I mean, just they have to play the perfect defensive game kind of here. And, you know, not that, you know, Seattle is an incredible offense, like you were saying, but that's really how Minnesota is going to win this game, how the Lynx win games all season was just, you know, just ripping teams up on the defensive end and going from there. And so, yeah, I think in, interior is kind of where I see that, you know, starting from. That's interesting. Um, I, I do want to point out, I ran the numbers. You're correct, but with an asterisk, she played in three of the games but really, she only played in two of the games because uh, the 82-74 Seattle win, Dantas played 14 minutes, went 0 for 1, three rebounds, two assists, and zero points. Uh, it was, oh, wow. yeah, essentially, she didn't play. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, it might have I, been one of the games yeah. where she was just like coming back from the injury maybe, and they were just, you know, played her a little bit or something like that. But yeah, sorry about that. No, no, no. I, I, I was giving you a hard time, but also giving her a hard time. For me, I, I view it the other way. I mean... I have nightmares of those three victories that Seattle had of just it raining from deep. I mean, the the three points that they were dropping, I mean, I realized that they, look, one game they, they're taking 23-point shots, another game they're taking 20, another game they're taking uh, 17, like, or 13. Like, it, it seemed like it was just this flurry of deep shots that kind of doomed Minnesota and we're going to get to offense in a few uh but flipping it when you're like for me I'm I'm looking at perimeter defense is going to be key for Minnesota I I yeah I need to find a way where we can or or they can shut down that deep ball because I mean if if Kayla gets get going or Sammy gets going or even Courtney Paris can get it going from deep I mean that's really really scary yeah, and that's that is something that you know. I, I think it starts in the paint, but make no mistake, Minnesota has to do it on on you know both of these areas, and that's that's something that I'm worried about too. And it's something that you know I was there. You know, the game that I believe the third game they played, um, the game on July 17th. You know, that was a target center. I was there. Sammy Whitcomb, I believe it was a career high. She shot five of eleven from three, or maybe it was, I think it was a career high in uh, something that night. It was assist or something like that. But she just had a great night. She. She was the best player on the floor that night. It was just the Lynx could not defend her. I remember after the game, Cheryl uh, Reeve talking about how Lynx players were simply 
not going over screens. They were going under screens on her, despite the, you know, discussing a port and stuff like that. Just, I couldn't believe it. And you're right. There's lots of nights where, again, you know, in this matchup, in this regular season series between Minnesota and Seattle, where Seattle just lit it up from three. And Minnesota struggled to defend the three-point line all season long. You know, it wasn't just Seattle who lit them up there. There was a lot of nights where it was kind of a lot of just head-scratching um, games where there was just wide-open threes being taken against the Lynx. I don't know what it is because, you know, you look at Odyssey Sims and Daniel Robinson, and you have two above-average defenders right there, you would think. But there are um, there were just some ways, I guess, that, other you know, teams were able to pick apart that, you know, that perimeter defense and be able to find open threes. And, yeah, Minnesota cannot, cannot allow Seattle to make 12 threes, make 10 threes. I mean, that's just unacceptable, and it will doom them right away if, if, uh, if they let that happen uh, here in, the, in this playoff game. Yeah, they can't do it. It will, it will be a nail in the coffin, or I'm sure Sylvia could think of some better mortician pun. Um, let's, let's move on and flip the script. Talk to me briefly. On Seattle's side, who do you think is going to be a key element to stop Minnesota's offense? Well, I mean, everything about stopping Minnesota's offense is about clogging the paint. You know, it's about bringing doubles on on Sill. You know, having you know having a you know good and a primary defender on Sylvia is also important to kind of you know you know deny catches in certain areas and, and try and front in certain situations and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean that Seattle has to be focused on you know sending help to Sylvia whenever she touches the ball. You know whether that comes from. You know, Natasha, depending on how those matchups go, if Mercedes starts to, you know, guard her first and then they go to Natasha or whoever it is, you know, for me, that's, I don't know if it's one person, it's kind of more of an idea of, you know, the, the, watch the tape on how teams did it all season um, um, against Sylvia, flooding the paint and, you know, daring Minnesota's, uh, you know, subpar long range shooters to shoot the ball and, and stuff like that. So, you know, that, that's what it comes down to for me is, is uh, you know, just limiting Sylvia as much as you can because that is kind of the one way Minnesota's offense can get going. If they can't get stops and get into transition, um, they really need Sylvia to shine and, um, and stuff like that, and it all starts from the paint. And, what you know, obviously that, mean, that can mean Sylvia, you know, either getting buckets for herself or opening up, uh, you know, threes for other people or closeouts for Collier or stuff like that. So, you know, for me, when I look think about what Seattle needs to do to win this game, it's just kind of what a lot of teams did this season really well against Minnesota, which is, you know, deny ball to sell. Yeah. And I mean, I've talked about this endless times on my podcast. I'm sure you've talked about this endless times on your podcast. Um, really this whole season makes you appreciate the Lynx dynasty. A little plug there. Um, so much because. Ah, thanks. <laughs> right. Um, it really does because. You know, we're sitting there, and, and I don't want to take away from what Syl has accomplished in her career in Minnesota, but you start to sit there and wonder throughout the season a little bit and go, was it that she was playing so amazing, or was it that Simone knew exactly where to put the ball? Lindsay knew exactly where to put the ball, and she's paired, I mean, obviously Maya knew, but then she's paired with Brunson down low that, you know, really causes mismatches, or was it that she was that dominating? And... I don't want to say that it was that she wasn't like that. It was the, the supporting cast, but like this season makes you think that, right? Well, and I think that what you're talking about is sort of the difference between like just an all-star player, quote unquote, just an all-star player and the MVP of the whole league. You know, I feel like that is sort of the difference that you get there by having that continuity and that familiarity with those other players. Like you said, I mean, 
I know your love for Simone runs strong. And, man, when she didn't have a great end to the season. But when she was out there, you did see some of those entry passes and some of that just know-how with Sill. And it was like, oh, yeah, like that is there. And that is like a real connection they have. And like you're saying, that's that was true with Waylon and Brunson and all those players as well. So, yeah, it's it's not a huge factor, but it is a factor. And I think it is something that can take a good team to great or a great team to a champion. And it's definitely, you know, probably something the links that need to keep growing with. You know, they need to keep building that. And, uh, you know, maybe they didn't have that at all times this season. So Sylvia's still great. She's still an all-star player, but she's not in the MVP discussion, you know. So I, I think it's kind of one of those things where it can kind of bump it, bump you up a level. No, I, I agree with that. That's that's some good insight there. I appreciate that. Let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about offense. Key offensive players for the Seattle Storm. We'll start with Seattle. We'll do Lynx secondary. Uh, for me, this might sound a little weird because to me, I'm just like, yeah, Natasha Howard, she's going to eat. She's going to get hers. To me, the key players are going to be Sammy Wickham and Jewel Lloyd. If Sammy, like we talked about, Minnesota has tremendous issues with digging themselves out of you know, three ball holes. And Jewel Lloyd is a player that I think if Seattle overall wants a successful playoff run, a lot's going to ride on her because Natasha Howard can do a lot, but you need that, that secondary option. You need that third option to really step up when we're in the playoffs. Who are you looking at in Seattle as far as offense? Yeah, I'm looking at the outside shooters. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, obviously Sammy Whitcomb, but, but yeah, also, you know, Alicia Clark, you know, you know, people, Maybe, yeah, like some like players who you might not might think, you know, like or Kalina and Mosqueda Lewis coming off the bench hitting threes. That's something that happened in one of these games um, this season against uh, Seattle and Minnesota. So, you know, those role players kind of stepping in, maybe off the bench and hitting threes, I think that's going to be big for Seattle. And that's something that I worry about Minnesota being able to, you know, hang with offensively, to be able to roll with, you know, having their bench be able to score like maybe Seattle's bench can uh, potentially score in this game. So, yeah, mostly I'm thinking about, you know, yeah, like you said, Natasha's going to eat. She's going to get her. She was great in, in all of these games, I think, most of these games. But, you know, for, for Jewel Lloyd, for Jewel Lloyd, I, don't, I didn't, you know, she kind of came in and out of there. She was she was less consistent against the Lynx. So I don't I don't remember, you know, her really you know going on a crazy run on her own or really contributing like many of the other players on her team did against the Lynx anyway this season. So, yeah, for, for them to get a big performance from Jewel, whether it be from three or her ability to get into the paint, that'd be great. But yeah, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm worried about the three ball first and foremost from Seattle. So can Alicia, you know, Clark, you know, knock down three or four or something like that. That would be huge for Seattle or, or again, maybe someone off the bench like Kalina or, or uh, I don't know, like you said, Courtney Paris, I mean, who knows? It, well, it's ridiculous. I remember when they were, when Seattle was in DC um, and they got, there there was a, it was a crazy game it was like a really close game and then they just blew them out late in the game um and it seemed like they got a little barking at from the coach but speaking to mercedes russell after the game i was like you're the only person on this roster who's not a three threat like wh- when is that gonna yeah. change what are you gonna do and she's like oh yeah you know i've been working on that ha 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 but it, it, it's not a joke like literally she's the only person on that roster that i don't leave open for three yeah wow. it's it's scary man let's talk about the minnesota Lynx, though i got my number one player and i know you're gonna have a few others my number one key offensive player for for this lexi brown yeah yeah i hear you that's uh yeah most uh most Lynx fans believe lexi brown has, has uh you know has not played uh enough minutes this season at all and uh 
yeah, that's you know, they need all the shooting they can get, and she's uh, one of the league's best. So I agree with you there. What? Who else are you looking at? I mean, obviously we talked on Dantas a little bit. Sills going to get hers. Who are some other key players that you know might not be the biggest names out there, or might not be the the you know right home to mom because so and so scoring like crazy this season, but could be key in this matchup. Well, as far as someone like sort of maybe maybe uh, you know that's not one of the key players that they need to score. I mean, the Lynx will will take anybody off their bench scoring at this point. They've had a couple of tough games where they haven't had a lot of scoring off the bench, except for maybe you know late maybe in the game or something like that for the garbage time. But you know, like you said, Lexi coming off the bench and hitting hitting a bunch of shots early would be enormous. You know, that's 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 for sure a good one. Um, Seth Talbot has not played. She she strangely didn't play the first half of the game against LA on Sunday. Um, it was a weird lineup. I don't know if she was ill or something like that. She played a little bit in the second half. Um, and then beyond that, you know, it'd be great if, you know, Tammy could come in the game and hit some shots. She's shown that she can hit the mid-range shot a little bit and, you know, stretch things out, especially if Sill, you know, fortunately still, Sill will get a couple, maybe three fouls early on in the game. That'd be, that'd be awful. That'd be, be really bad for Minnesota in this game. But, you know, Tammy's been all right coming in, and especially on the offensive end, holding things down. But then as far as the big names, I think Odyssey Sims is somebody who, uh, you know, when, when the Lynx, you know, when the Lynx need a big win, sometimes she puts the team on her back this season and has been able to, you know, albeit at, at a volume, at, a, at volume, she can uh, shoot her team uh, into some victories here. She can, you know, mix it up, get into the paint, get to, get to the free throw line, especially. I mean, the, the, the Lynx need Odyssey Sims to shoot six, seven free throws in this game, at least, please. I mean, it sounds, it is a lot, but that is, something they need uh, her to do. And so, yeah, I think Sims, I think Sims needs to do her thing in this game and she at least needs to, you know, really try to get in the paint and get fouled because, uh, yeah, offensive creation uh, from the perimeter has been something the team has lacked this year, but Sims is someone who can give them that. So uh, maybe, maybe they can get that uh, here in this game against Seattle. Hopefully. I mean, I, I also, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on fee. I want to see, you know, can she, for, for Sims and fee, I both look at is can they kind of, cement that next level of folklore uh to the fans to to their legacy because you know fees come in here there's some debate i i, I feel like we're both on the same page as far as who wins rookie of the year um and yeah. i I'm, I'm just gonna put this out there i will be so pissed as someone who uh, thinks you have to be honest and critical i will be so pissed if the w decides to give a joint rookie of the league thing because honestly i think this whole debate thing and the the friendships that have been destroyed, the families that have been destroyed based off of this debate is amazing for the league's growth. And I think you would be doing a disservice uh, to the fans and to this growth if you gave a, a joint award. What are your thoughts on that? That's a really good, that, oh, that's a really good point. But I, mean, I kind of you know talked about that possibility like midway through the season or something of like, oh, it was really neck and neck and it felt like, oh, it's, you know, and I haven't seen the WNBA do that. And I was just thinking back to like Grant Hill and Jason Kidd having that in the NBA, like when I was growing up, I was like, oh, co, co rookie of the year. What if they did that? But as the season's gone on, especially here in this last month, last three weeks or so, I mean, Fee to me has, has pushed forward. I obviously have watched every minute of, of Collier this season and, you know, much, much less of a Goomba Wale. So, you know, I'm biased as far as that goes for sure. But, you know, as far as looking at the stats and, you know, you know, following the following the trends as they go along this season, I think, you know, Collier separated herself in the last few weeks. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I never thought about that. Though. That's cool. It's like a debate that you can, like, 
that can like live on for years and years. If they give it to co-rookie of the year, well, we'll never really know. We won't have a fun debate, but if they give it to one of them, then it'll be something that kind of follows them as like a fun rivalry that they can, and some of the fans can talk about and stuff like that. So I like that. But what, as far as this game and the FISA goes, what do you think they'll do with her? Do you think, do you think it's possible they might put her on Howard for, for moments? I mean, Natasha ate her alive in a couple games or at least a couple stretches of some of these games in this season. But I'm wondering if, like, what you think that they might do there as far as the matchup defensively with Collier because, man, those long arms, she can get it done. But obviously, against an all-star like Howard, that that might be tough. It's a tough task. Honestly, I'll be real. I The thing that's impressed me the most about Fee, besides demeanor or anything, has been her defense, has been her ability, you know, to cover people who have size on her and have length on her. Um, but when it's it comes to – It's – yeah, and, and like, honestly, it's more than that. And and this is something that I think this is going to sound weird because it's not really what we're talking about. But like when Shepard went down, this really caused an issue in my mind for the team, more so because you had Fee and Shepard who are coming from that winner's mentality in college and that I'm going to hustle my expletive off back and forth the whole time I'm going to work. I mean, breakaways that, you know, Odyssey Sims has or Lexi has – the person right behind them is feet when the other team has a breakaway and breaks down and, and, and has an easy layup. The first Minnesota player you see always, you know, by the time the ball drops from the hoop fees over there, catching the ball and that type of mindset and that type of energy and, and that we need to win and we need to do this. That's that mindset that I feel really gives her that edge on defense. I remember last year I was talking to somebody about uh, what makes Elena Beard so good and a former WNBA coach came out and basically said, look, there's a lot of elements that go into it, but the number one thing is hustle. The number one thing is just never giving up and effort. Um, and Fee has that. And that's why I can't counter out. My problem is when you get in the paint, I think the you have to use the sill on Howard. But you don't want to pull sill out of the paint to cover Howard, who is a extreme three-point threat. So for me, I'm like, this This is right here why Reeve is getting paid the big bucks because this is a headache. I mean, this is you wake up in a hot sweat in the middle of the night and you go, you know, are you willing to give up a little bit of outside shooting because that can kind of stretch the ball or do you want to like you have to basically pick your poison, don't you? Yeah, and I think Dantes, though, I think Dantes is a decent matchup on Howard. She, Her ability to kind of scramble, you know, and close out while kind of still containing you know, that, that Natasha Howard threat from three. Um, I, I like her there, you know, being able to kind of guard inside and outside on Howard. You know, I like I like her kind of starting there, maybe start Sylvia on Mercedes Russell and, you know, just kind of use her in help situations. And I don't know, but obviously, like we keep saying, Howard's going to get her. She's going to find a way to score, but kind of maybe a, an opportunity to switch up looks on her and just make it tough. And maybe you can have her score, you know, 17 points instead of 23 or something like that. But, you know, that's obviously, yeah, again, that's why that's why Cheryl gets to make these decisions. I'm sure she got something up but, her sleeve. But honestly, like, hearing you talk about Dantas reminds me, like, the element that she brings to this team is huge just in the regard of, like, all right, look at the double matchup. So you got, let's say, the it's Sill and Dantas that are standing out there, and then Mercedes and Howard. So – Obviously, you're going to want to pull Howard to go out in the paint and try and disrupt Dantas from three because Dantas is a three-point threat. That means Sill needs to get hers against Mercedes. And 
I, I don't remember which game specifically it was, but there was one game where I just remember yelling at the TV like, this is why Mercedes should be most improved because she's going up against the best big, true big in arguably WNBA history, but definitely right now. And she's holding her own. This isn't a matchup that I still think is a advantage Minnesota and they need to take full advantage of it if they want to get the victory. Yeah, and and you, you yeah you said I mean Mercedes has done a decent job against Phil, even a good job against Phil in a lot of these games, and I think just her sheer size like is is really something that can stand up to Phil. But Fowles needs to make sure that this isn't one of those games where that happens. You know that can happen throughout the regular season a couple times. That's one thing, but this is a single elimination playoff game, and she needs to understand that you know she's the Olympian on the floor here, and uh, you know she needs to take care of Mercedes Russell and make sure that. You know, Russell isn't someone that can, can stop her in this game. Now, if she's getting doubled and stuff like that and other people are coming in and disrupting her, sure, that's another thing, and you need to kick it out and make other decisions. But one-on-one, Fowles needs to make sure that she cannot be guarded by Mercedes Russell one-on-one in this game. Oh, 100% agree. She needs she needs to cement that, you know, like you said, that was that was regular season. We're in playoffs. We're in the big leagues now. Um, yep. All right, well – Moving forward, uh, you, you teased this in the beginning of the episode, so I'm going to put you on spot. Um, I'll go first just because I uh, two weeks ago I said this openly publicly on a podcast and tweeted it out, so I can't back away from this, that I will be uh, picking whichever team has home court advantage. So I'm sorry, uh, my, my, my stepdad's not going to let me come home any next time that I come home because I'm picking against the Lynx. Uh, but I'm picking... Seattle to win 84-83. Wow, one point game. Just a nail biter. Just a just a just amazing all an all timer though, right? It's just gonna be one of the best. It's gonna be one of the best WNBA playoff games we've ever seen. I I honestly think so. I think you know the <laughs> the Mercury Sky game is gonna be ridiculous and and high scoring and not exactly um the the greatest battle, but this is going to be uh, not the greatest, but, you know, this is going to be reminiscent in a very different way, but of the Connecticut versus uh, Seattle-esque series or uh, the Mer- – sorry, not Connecticut. The Mercury-Seattle series from last year or the Mercury-Connecticut games from uh, the past two years. But I do see this coming down to a last-second shot, and I think Natasha Howard hits it. Wow, this what I think what we know for sure about this game is it's going to be a slugfest. I I listened to your podcast a few weeks ago. I forget who your guest was. You were talking about the middle four teams, and you were talking sort of about these matchups. And and I think your 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 guest referred to it as a rock fight. Mm-hmm. And that is that is going to be what this is. I mean, and it's kind of going to come down to who can. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. That it's going to be close. It's going to be grimy. You know, I don't know that this will be a beautiful basketball game to watch. Um, we're talking about the two um, bottom teams in uh, turnovers and turnover percentage um, this season. So these are teams that are just very good at giving the ball away. And, you know, and, and the reason why I'm picking the storm in this game, you know, it, it goes into that home court advantage. It's these turnovers. I mean, turnovers and sort of the runs that teams can go on, um, these that is heavily influenced, I believe, by home court advantage. You know what I mean? Like when that crowd gets going and it's a playoff game and you're getting steals and layups and stuff like that, like that gets to be an exponential problem. And uh, I'm, I'm worried about the Lynx turning the ball over in this game. So I think Seattle will be slightly less bad at turning the ball over potentially in this one that will help them. 
uh, win the game. But also, um, I think, you know, another thing that's big in this game is which team can get to the free throw line. Uh, again, we're talking about the 10th and 11th place teams in free throw attempts um, this season. So, you know, I think if Odyssey can go off and, like I said, get into the free throw line a little bit or Sill or and on Seattle side, same thing. If if Howard can get fouled a lot or I'm not sure where guards of theirs can get to the free throw line, if that's Jewel or Canada or something like that, you know, I feel like that can be a, a backbreaker as well. That can be something that pushes one team over the edge just barely. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a I don't have a score in mind. But, yeah, I'll say, you know, Storm – Storm win by five or six or something like that in a very, very close game. I, I appreciate that. Neil, why don't you uh, tell the folks where they can find you on social, where they can find your your WNBA thoughts? Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at links underscore dynasty. Um, and that's the name of my podcast that I make about the Minnesota Lynx. Um, it's kind of two shows in one. I make like a narrative documentary um, type show um, a couple times throughout the WNBA season. And then this year, I've also started a conversation show, um, kind of that just like updates about uh, the links as the season goes on. It's called the Los Links Talk Show. And you can get both of those things in the same podcast feed. Um, so yeah, you can subscribe to that wherever you find your podcast, your favorite app or an Apple podcast or whatever it is. We know you love podcasts. You listen to the Windsider Show right here. So so it's all love. I just love WNBA and um, I love the, the growing, the quickly growing podcast community around WNBA. So uh, it's great to meet Aria uh, at All Star and hang out and chat it up a little bit and have drinks and and do our thing. So it's uh, it was cool to connect. It it really was, man. I mean, I've I know I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, and you have the smoothest podcast voice that I I always <laughs> dream to attain. I'm never gonna get, but big fan big fan of the work you've been doing. I know I uh, I I preach uh, to anybody to listen to it, and I know I love a lot of Minnesota Timberwolves fans. Uh, that I'm friends with from growing up and whatnot have, for whatever reason, peeked over, seen your podcast, listened to it, and, and uh, become a little bit of more Lynx fans thanks to you. So uh, continue the good fight. Oh, that's perfect. That's that's for sure the number one like thing I think about as far as like growing the WNBA. I feel like there's so many NBA fans who don't give the WNBA a try and they really need to. So I feel like that is that's sort of like – just basketball nerds who basically only follow the NBA. I feel like that should be like a target of the WNBA, like very specifically. And, but that's cool to hear that, that, that it works, you know? Hey man, you're, you're doing it good. So as, as we always end every show, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us in the hard work that we do. Thank you for joining us, Neil, and have a great night. Thanks, Ari.